Well, if you have your Bible, feel free to open up and follow along with me today in Isaiah chapter 9 and also Luke chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 9 and Luke chapter 2. And again, I want to echo what Amy said. Thank you so much for reaching out uh, to the elderly at Shorewood uh, a couple weeks ago. That really ministered to a lot of people there. So thanks for doing that. And all of you workers who helped make that Christmas concert possible last week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the depths of my heart. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. Let's start, and you can follow along up front, too, if you don't have your Bibles or iDevices pulled up yet. Go ahead and follow along. For to us a child shall be born, to us a son shall be given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There shall be no end to the increase of his government and of peace. He shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time forward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Now, that's the prophecy of Isaiah saying Jesus is coming. Now, let's fast forward uh, a little bit now into the New Testament in Luke chapter 2. Let's actually relive that moment of the Christmas experience of Jesus' birth. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David the, uh, a Savior, who is the Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together today to be able to celebrate and worship our Savior. It's truly an honor. The greatest gift that's ever been given and released to us is Jesus Christ. And today we just want to acknowledge how much we appreciate this gift. And today we also ask that you would open our eyes and our hearts to receive what you have for us today through the power of your living word. That's incorruptible seed, will not return void, and we believe that we'll leave this place better off than when we first came. And on behalf of all of High Point Church and all the people here represented today, we say happy birthday, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. When we take time to look through the scriptures... Whether we're going from the Old Testament into the New Testament, the one thing that we can all agree upon without question is that Jesus became a gift for you and I. Jesus is the reason for the season. He is a gift for you and I. And like Jesus, God wants us to become a miracle to the people around us. And I want to touch on that for a few moments this morning. God wants you and I to become a miracle. Like Jesus became a miracle for you and me We are to become a miracle for those around us. How many know that when you come to realize that it's greater, yes, we can all pray and ask for a miracle, and we should. We should make our petitions known with thanksgiving. But how many know life becomes more significant and more fulfilling and satisfying when we realize we can become a miracle for those around us? That is the reason for the season. That is the reason why God sent his son is to, number one, give us a miracle, but then in return, let us become a miracle to those around each and every one of us. In Ephesians chapter 5, God in his word says, and he reminds us that we are to imitate him, to imitate God, to imitate his love. 
to be like him. So like Jesus became a miracle for you, we should become a miracle for those around us. That's what Christian really is. Christian means Christ follower, right? So we're to follow his example. Jesus said in his word that the miracles, the signs, the wonders that he did, that guess what? You're going to do them even that and even greater, he said. In other words, follow my example is what Jesus is saying. In Mark chapter 16, he says, you know what? In my name, I want you to cast out demons. In my name, I want you to heal the sick. In my name, I want you to, uh, to lay hands on those around you and watch them recover. In my name, I want you, when you take up anything deadly or you drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt you in my name. And really, ultimately, what he's saying is that just like I have done for you, just like I have become to you a miracle, watch what you can do when you follow my example and when you use my name. God has given you so much power and authority, and I'd love to talk about that for a few moments, but I don't have time to talk too much about that today. That'll come in another message. But life is ultimately so much more rewarding when we realize we can become someone's miracle. And like I said, there is nothing wrong with praying, God, I need a miracle. God, I need someone to help me with my parenting. God, I need someone to train me. God, I need a financial breakthrough. God, I need a miracle. And there's no question in my mind that that is okay in God's eyes. He wants us to make our petitions known with thankfulness. But with thankfulness, that means it's done. It's over. God has taken care of it. Now we can move on. And what we need to do is we need to take a moment once we've prayed and asked God for our miracle. Is Now at that moment, we need to go into operation of acting like Jesus. That, okay, everything is taken care of now. God the Father has taken care of us. If he cares about the birds of the air, if he cares enough to count the hairs on her head, I haven't even counted Amy's hairs on her head yet. And Jesus, I mean, he says in his word that he counts the numbers of hairs on her head so that 23,652, he doesn't just... that hair he knows. So when that one hair falls out, he has to re-update. You know what I'm saying? So God cares that much about you. And he's saying, don't worry about tomorrow. In other words, now you focus on doing what I've called and created you to do, and that is to become a miracle, to become an answer to somebody else's prayer in your life. God is looking to use people. He has chosen you to be his arms. So when someone needs a hug, give them a hug on behalf of God. He's chosen to use your smile. When you see someone who doesn't have a smile, give them your smile. God has sent you to be his hands and his feet, to lay hands on the sick, to speak life into people's hearts. If you think about the faint-hearted and we can be an encouragement or maybe the broken and we can help restore There is a possibility, there is a miracle waiting to happen on the inside of each and every one of us. And we just have to live beyond ourselves, though, to make that possible. Because so many times we get caught up in the trap of what I need. And we forget about what the people around us need because we're so focused on what we need. And at this time of the year, that's what I love about Christmas, is God saying, this is the reason For the season is I so love the world that I gave my only begotten son. Giving is the heartbeat of God. And he has chosen to use that and release that through his people. 
And life is much more rewarding when we realize we can become someone else's miracle. Instead of being need conscious, let us be seed conscious. God says in his word in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest will continue to be present. So in other words, sowing and reaping is a spiritual law. And when you sow kindness, you're going to reap kindness. When you sow love, you're going to reap love. When you sow a miracle into somebody else's life, you become that miracle to somebody else's life. Then watch what happens with your life. It is so true when you take care of the household of God. When you focus on making him and his, his kingdom a priority, then everything else seems to fall into place. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew 6, that if you would seek first the kingdom of God, in other words, his ways of doing things, then all these other things will be added unto us, right? So when we make him a kingdom and we become kingdom-minded and we focus on, God, what can I do for you? And he says, you see that person next to you? Uh-huh. That person needs a miracle today. Okay, what is it? You know that last $100 you have in your pocket right now? Uh-huh. I want you to give it to them. That's my last $100 bill. Uh-huh. That's all I'm asking you for. Nothing more. That last $100 bill. Give it to him. You know, and you might say, that's all I have. And he's saying, that's all I've asked you for. So in other words, I'm not saying that God is going to ask you to give your last $100 bill. I am just saying, if we become seed conscious, watch what happens in our own personal lives when everything else seems to fall into place. It's so true that when we sow in the kingdom of God, when we focus on being seed conscious rather than need conscious, everything else falls into place. So when we become, get our minds off of ourselves and focus on the people around us, isn't it true that everything else seems to just come together so much quicker and easier? You may not realize it, but you are a miracle waiting to happen. Well, how can I help someone? Look for the opportunities this Christmas season. Look for the opportunities around you. Maybe somebody got a bad medical report, and they really just don't know if they're going to make it through the situation. Maybe they just, it's a horrible storm in their life and they just don't know, are they going to make it through? And so they're seeking God, asking God, God, please give me a sign, some kind of encouragement to let me know that you're with me and that you're going to help me through this. Maybe they don't have as much knowledge about God and his word as you do. And we're not here to judge them, but we're here to love them, right? And so what do we do at those moments as you have this impression, you hear about this person who has a bad medical report, and what do you do at that very moment? You could sit there and just say, what is wrong with them? Don't they understand God and his word and how awesome his word is? No, you don't. What you do is you rise up at those moments of opportunity. You call that person up and say, you know what? I have been praying for you this morning, and I just want you to know, I know God is going to help you get through this situation. You might at that very moment, become the sign that they have been praying for, the miracle that they've been believing for, just to know that God is with them and he's going to carry them through the storms of life. God wants his love to be expressed through each and every one of us, and especially this time of the year. I love this time of the year, but at this time of the year, I also know that there are a lot of people around us that I'm the happiest I can possibly be at Christmas season. I live for Christmas. I love Christmas season. But I also know pastoring that there's a lot of people around me that are going through some really difficult times. And it's also memories of feelings of people that might not be with them anymore. And it can be a very discouraging time of the year, even though for the most of us, it's very encouraging and uplifting. So my challenge to you today 
is to become seed-conscious rather than need-conscious. Think about those around you and become a miracle. Maybe somebody's struggling in school. They don't understand a certain subject, but you know it really well. You could become their miracle. Maybe somebody needs a ride to church. You're thinking, well, that's out of my way. That's 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back, and 20 minutes here, and 20 minutes there. This is like an extra at least 40 minutes minimum, if not more. But when you begin to focus on the needs of others rather than your own needs, God will take care of your needs. I have a friend who's a medical missionary. He was in Africa. He spends about five months out of the year in Africa. And he had a situation happen where he had a, the, the tusk of an elephant that injured a young man very severely. And he was brought into this makeshift hospital center that they had. It wasn't much more than a shed, uh, but that's what they had. And so when he came in, he had already lost a lot of blood. And so he could have right away just thought, too bad. It's a bad day for you. We don't have any blood here at the clinic, which they didn't. And he could have just said, ah, oh, God, this guy needs a miracle. But instead, this friend of ours, you know what he did? He pumped out his own blood. For the first 30 minutes, he pumped out his own blood. Then he went in, did the surgery, fixed him up, and replenished him with his own blood. In other words, he became the miracle that young man needed to live. Sometimes we're looking and we're saying, God, that person really needs a miracle, when God's saying, you are their miracle. God wants to release his love and his faith through you. When we first started High Point Ministries, when we first started this church, one of the traditions we decided that we wanted to start each and every single year was that we would focus on a family, even though we take care of the household of faith and we do all sorts of nice blessings and kindness for the people that are in the church that needed uh, just a brighter Christmas, we also wanted to find families that were outside the church that did not attend church, period. We wanted to become focused outwardly, not inwardly. Even though we are here to take care of one another and to be a blessing to each other, we wanted to focus on how can we help this community? How can we help someone? How can we brighten someone's Christmas? So our very first Christmas here in Rochester, we had heard about a family that had just lost their baby just right before Christmas. The baby was born premature, and uh, the baby passed on. Now, we didn't know anything about this family. We didn't know who they were. But we did hear enough about the story to hear that they were struggling financially. The man was without a job, and they had no insurance. And even though the church had just started, we thought, you know what? We can do something. We may not have everything, but we can do something. So I remember getting the guy's phone number, and I contacted this man. And I said, hi, you know, this is Sean. I'm one of the pastors in the local community here. And we heard about the loss of your child, and we're so sorry to hear about that. We're praying for you. But we would like to help brighten your Christmas a little bit, and we would like to help pay for the expenses of your child right now. And any burial expenses, any memorial expenses that you have, we as a church want to step in to help make a difference and make a difference in your life. The man, he began to cry uncontrollably over the phone. And he went on to share with me, he said, Pastor, I just prayed in the last two minutes, God, if you are real, I want a proper burial for my son. That man and his wife came to our Christmas Eve service, and they both accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. All what am I saying to you is that we can become a miracle for those around us. This year, we've been able to impact a lot of people's lives with the angel tree, 
We've been able to help just brighten people's Christmases. We've been able to make a difference in a number of people's lives internally here at the church. One family we were able to reach out to who did not attend this church, uh, but they've now started coming to the church. They were going to be evicted right after Christmas. But we as a church stepped in and said, you know what, we can make a difference. We may not be able to help everybody, but we can help somebody. And we saved them from losing their home this Christmas season. God is working through you, and he's helping his love through you spread into this community, into the surrounding areas, and even into the state and globally beyond this. Here's what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When we refresh others, we will be refreshed, is what the scripture says. In other words, when we encourage others or when we lift others up, when we help someone out, when we can help be someone else's intervention, when we can step in and make a difference, when we can then we will be refreshed. Are you still tracking with me this morning? Sowing and reaping is a spiritual law. I remember a number of years ago, whether we're talking about praying for somebody or stepping in some other way, I remember a number of years ago, there was a, a woman that Amy and I knew that was married to a man who did not know Jesus at that time in his life. We knew this man to be a great outdoorsman, but he was not really a great indoorsman, if you know what I'm talking about. His relationship skills were not necessarily the top notch. Uh, he wasn't the most affectionate or most sensitive uh, personality. Uh, but one thing we knew about this lady is she had come to Christ shortly after they got married. And anytime we would ask or inquire about how she was doing, she would well up with tears in her eyes and she'd begin to cry. And she would say these words to us, all I want is for my husband to make it to heaven someday. I just want to be with him for the rest of eternity. I want him to miss hell and gain heaven. And she would just cry anytime. And we knew that her affectionate needs were going unmet. We knew that he didn't know any better, at least not at, at that time in his life. And we would pray for her and we'd pray for their marriage. And I remember one day Amy and I had this just revelation that rose up in our heart. And it was along the lines of sowing and reaping. We thought, interesting enough, God gave us an analogy to share with her. And we said this to her. We said, you need to find a couple that's in a similar situation that's in your shoes, that you know what it's like to be in their shoes kind of thing. Find a wife and a husband who are married that maybe the husband's not uh, saved yet. He hasn't given his life to Jesus or vice versa. And take that on as an assignment for yourself and begin to minister to them through prayer. Well, she knew of a couple that was in a different state, but she took that assignment very seriously. And she went to really praying for this couple. And she said at times the Holy Spirit would wake her up in the middle of the night and she would start praying for this couple. Well, within two weeks, her own husband ended up accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. What am I saying is that when you refresh others, you will be refreshed. When you sow into somebody else's life, you will reap. Anytime I have somebody that I'm ministering to in marriage, family relationships, and they're struggling in their marriage, one of the first things I ask them to do is find a couple, whether they have a good marriage, bad marriage, it doesn't really matter, but find couples even and start praying for other people's marriages because as a result, you will reap benefits for your own marriage. Whether we're talking about people that have great marriages or not, find somebody or 
several couples even, and start praying for other marriages. Because when you pray for other marriages, you're going to reap the benefit for your own marriage. Sowing and reaping is a spiritual law. And it will continue to remain as long as the earth remains. It is part of the covenant that the Lord has given us. Now watch, now sometimes people will say, well, good, I can start praying for this person and, and I know my husband or my wife's going to come to Jesus as soon as I start praying for this. Two weeks, pastor said two weeks that her husband came to Jesus. Maybe it'll be two weeks. I'm not insinuating that it's going to be two weeks. But watch what Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says. Let us not grow weary while doing good. In other words, keep doing good. But don't grow weary, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. When we need a miracle, one of the most important things we can do is focus on becoming a miracle for somebody else. Whether that's praying for somebody, giving to somebody, encouraging somebody, any way that we can become a miracle, the more we can become seed conscious rather than need conscious for yourself, your miracle will come to fruition quicker. In Luke chapter 10, there's a story that Jesus shares with us. And I love this story because Jesus goes on to say, listen, there's three men that pass a man that was wounded by some bandits that left him there to die. The first man that passed this man that was wounded was a priest. The priest noticed this man laying alongside of the road that was injured. But the priest did not stop. We don't know why he didn't stop. I don't know if he was concerned about being late for church that day. I don't know if he was concerned about getting his white robe all dirty. But he didn't stop. The next person that came along was a Levite. The Levite are an assistant to the priest. Now the Levite comes by and he sees this man who's wounded laying there on the road that had been robbed by these bandits. He sees him there. And I suppose he wanted to play follow the leader that day because he followed the priest's actions. But then there was a man who was a complete stranger in the community. And he was known as a Samaritan. The Samaritan comes and he sees this man who's wounded. And the first thing he does without hesitations is he goes to help fix and heal up the wounds of this man. Then he sends him to a place where he can be taken care of. A Samaritan, Jesus is pointing out one of the least likely to be a neighbor, but he was a neighbor to him. What's Jesus saying is that sometimes we get in a hurry, and sometimes it's the people that we would expect to step up to the occasion. But there are times where people just don't step up. There's a book out there called The Tipping Point, and it's for business leaders. But I I read it one time because I know The Tipping Point is important in ministry as well. And there's a story in this book that's a true story of a crime that took place years ago. And over 30 people saw the crime. And not one of them contacted the police. Not one of them reported it. So when investigators stepped in to find out what happened, why not? Every one of them said, because I thought somebody else would do it. I thought someone else would contact the police. The other... uh, Probably about three, four weeks ago, Amy and I were driving home after church, and we came upon a scene where there was a a terrible accident just out here on Highway 14. We were on the way back, and there was a couple of cars, and uh, cars were still kind of cruising by like had nothing had ever happened. And one, the doors were open. I mean, there was a lady hanging halfway out of the car door. I mean, you could tell it was a severe accident, and people were just driving by like it was. So I said, Amy, you got to call the police right now. We've got to stop at the scene. 
So I jumped out of the car, ran over to the scene, and there was a couple of, uh, I suppose, ladies maybe from another country. They had the covering over the head and so on from possibly a different type of religion. And they were frantic. I mean, just frantic. And they happened to be sisters, I remember that day. They were holding their hands, and they were hurt. And uh, I just immediately said, I'm a pastor in the local community. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to pray with you. There, my wife is on the phone. She's got, uh, you know, there will be responders coming just shortly. You're going to get through this. So I took a moment, and I just prayed with them. And the one that was saying terrible things like she wasn't going to live and all that stuff, as soon as I took a moment, and they did not mind me praying in the name of Jesus, by the way. When you had a point of life and death, they don't care if you bring up the name of Jesus. I'll tell you that. But they did not mind me bringing up the name of Jesus. But as soon as I did, peace immediately filled the car. And there was a calming that came upon both of them. And I simply just at that moment just encouraged them and said, it's going to be okay. We're going to take care of you. We're going to get through this, okay? And so I just encouraged them and said, you're going to live. You're not going to die. And I just prayed a blessing over them, encouraged them. And, of course, at that point, the other miracle workers were coming in on the scene uh, to get them into proper care at that moment. But what am I really saying to you is that sometimes we think somebody else is going to step up and do it. Somebody else will be the miracle. When God's saying, no, I've called you to be a miracle worker. You're the one. Don't pass them by. Stop. Make sure everything is okay. Make sure proper authority has been contacted. Whatever you need to do, but become a miracle and be like this throughout the season. Let Christmas reign throughout the year for the reason for the season Jesus gave his life for you and me so that we would give our life to those around us. In Isaiah chapter 58, as I bring this to a closure today, Isaiah chapter 58, I've got a story I'm going to share with you in closing. But this scripture is absolutely essential and vital for us to recognize for today's message. Share your food with the hungry, it says, and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. I had to throw that one in there, didn't I? Sometimes it's like going on missions trips when you're with your family at holidays. But uh, it says, don't hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. In other words, when you need healing yourself, if you focus on helping bring other healing to people around you, a senior pastor one time said to us, that had been our pastor for the first couple of years of Amy's and my marriage. He said, you know, it's interesting, but when I need healing in my own physical body, and I'm trying to get better, he said, it seems like God starts sending people into my life that need healing. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? When you need encouragement, God sends people into your life that need encouragement. And the first thing we do is think, God, I'm the one that needs encouragement. How am I supposed to encourage this person when I need encouragement? But the truth is that when you start encouraging somebody else, all of a sudden, what happens with you? You feel encouraged, don't you? And when you start ministering to others, healing, all of a sudden your own healing comes to you quickly, the scripture says. God is saying when you focus on sowing seed, when you focus on giving, your harvest is coming, your miracle is coming. But focus on becoming a miracle, and as a result, your miracle will manifest much more quicker. There is a story that my daughter Whitney was reading out of her school book. And I said, oh, I love that story. I've got to share it with the congregation this Christmas. And it goes like this. 
There is a man with 12 children who is very poor. He had nothing left. He always thought his duty was to serve himself. He had nothing left, so he sought out for wisdom, and he had heard about an elderly man who had wisdom, so he sought this elderly man to find out the man's, his own fate. However, of course, this elderly man lived way beyond into the forest, many, many, many miles away. It was very dangerous, but he braved it, and he sought out for this wise counsel. As he was going through the jungles and through the woods, he comes across the first animal was a camel. And the camel said to him, where are you going? He said, I am going to seek out my fate from an elderly man, a wise old man. And the camel said to him, please ask him of my fate too, for I was lost 12 years ago from my caravan, and I've got these heavy bags of gold that I've been carrying for the last 12 years, and I cannot lay down. It's been a burden. Please seek my fate too. And he said, I will. And he passed him by. Then he came upon a big, wide river, and he looked at the alligator that was in the river, and he said, please, take me across the river. And the alligator said, where are you going? He said, I'm seeking my fate from a wise old man. And he said, please, seek him for my fate, too, because I need to know I've had for the last 12 years a very burning pain on the inside of me. Seek for my fate, too. And he said, I will, as the alligator brought him across the river. And then he comes upon a tiger that's laying there with a pain. He's got a thorn in his foot, in his paw. He's surrounded with all these treasures. And he says, where are you going? He said, I am seeking out the fate from a wise old man. And he said, please ask him of my fate too, for I've had this horrible pain in my paw for the last 12 years from a thorn. And he said, I will. So he comes upon this wise old man. He seeks him and he finds him. And he says to the wise old man, I've come to seek you for my fate. I want to know. He said, I'm a very poor man. And the wise old man said, well, then you must have been living only for yourself. Think only of making others rich and you will become rich. And he thanked him. And he said, say, I had three others on my travels that asked for theirs. A camel who's been carrying heavy weight he wants to know his fate as well. And he said to him, relieve him of that pressure, that weight. Take the, the packages off of him so you and him both can be relieved. And he said, okay. And he said, the alligator says he has a burning pain in his stomach. And he said, well, give him herbs. And then he stopped the wise old man and said, why didn't you think of that yourself about the camel? Why didn't you think of that yourself about the alligator? And he said to him, because I was only thinking of myself. And then there was one more. He said, there was a tiger that had a, a thorn in his foot. What should I do? And he said, relieve him of his pain. Take the thorn out of his paw. And he said, why did you not think of that? And he said, I must have been thinking only of myself. He said, relieve him of that pain and you'll be relieved of yours. So on the way back on this journey, he comes upon this tiger and he gets out the thorn. He takes it out. And the lion of, or the tiger says, thank you so much. And he thanks him profusely. And he says, I have all these treasures. I really have no use for them. Please take them with you. So he comes upon the alligator and the alligator says, what does the wise old man say about my fate? And he said, he said to give you some herbs. And so he gave him some herbs, and as a result, it caused a reaction in his stomach, and he vomited out a ruby. 
And he said, thank you so much. And the man said, you're welcome. And he started walking away. And the alligator said, wait, stop. Take that ruby with you. It'll make you very rich. So now he's got the treasures from the tiger. And now he's got the ruby. And he comes to the camel. And the camel says to him, he says, what does the wise old man say about my fate? And he said, to relieve you of the weight that's on your back. So he takes the bags off of his back. And he thanks him profusely and says, thank you so much. He says, You've relieved me of my pain. Let me relieve you of your pain. Take those treasures. I have no need for them. So this, old, this, this wise old man had purpose in his heart to tell this man, think of making everyone else rich, and as a result, you would be rich. This, my, this man went home, not a poor man, but he went home, and he needed the help of all 12 children to handle all of his wealth. The moral of the story is, when you focus on making others rich, you too will be rich. If you focus on refreshing others, you too will be refreshed. If you focus on encouraging one another, you too will be encouraged. If you receive that, will you say amen this morning? Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Father, I thank you so much. The Christmas season, we enjoy it so much because it's such a reminder of how much you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for our time together today, and we thank you that your word goes into good ground. I'm confident that we'll not escape one heart here today. That today, each and every one of us are purposing in our heart to become a miracle. To focus on one another rather than focusing on ourselves. And as we seek first the kingdom of God, your ways of doing things, then all these other things will be added unto us. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, for the reason you came. To save us from our sins to be a miracle for us so we too could become a miracle to those around us. I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment longer. You may have been invited to church today by a friend or a family member. You might have seen the sign and you decided to stop by. But I'm going to ask today, how many of you know for sure you're going to heaven? If you're in a situation today and you're not really certain in your heart if you're going to make it, Maybe you hope so, but you're not certain. Today, you can have a confidence before leaving church today that you know that you know that you know that you're going home to be with Jesus when that time comes. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So no matter what you've done right, no matter what you've done wrong, it's not hinged upon that. It's hinged upon what Jesus Christ has done for you. So today I ask you, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? If you don't, it would be my honor and my privilege to introduce you to my very best friend, and his name is Jesus. Let me take it one step further. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but you know deep down in your heart you're not following Jesus the way that you could or should be. And you're saying, Pastor, I want to come back to Jesus today. I want to accept him. I want to come back. I want to recommit my life to him. It would be my honor to bring you back to the throne room of grace today, to bring you back to your loving Savior, Jesus Christ this very moment with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this auditorium today and you're saying pastor please pray for me i want to accept jesus christ or i want to recommit my life to the lord jesus if that's you and you're saying pastor please pray for me all over this auditorium right now would you slip every hands all over this room acknowledging i want to accept christ or recommit my life to the lord jesus thank you for your hands any others you're saying pastor pray for me too thank you so much anyone else okay that's wonderful Let's take a moment. Let's pray with them. Let's be an encouragement to those that are making that decision to accept Christ or recommit their life to the Lord Jesus. Would you put a hand on your heart? Pray this prayer with me. 
those of you who are making that decision, pray it from your own heart. Even though I'm going to lead you in this prayer, I want you to think about what you're saying because today is your miracle. Today is your day for salvation. And the rest of us are going to join you in this prayer. We're going to be an encouragement, the wind beneath your wings, as you make the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you please follow me in this prayer now? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen.